Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peter Baudouet. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years working in the technology industry. Let's join Peter now as he talks advanced hydrocarbons with Paolo Bomben. Take it away, Peter. Thanks, Al. Hi, my name is Peter Bodway, and I'll be your host of today's Rainforest podcast. Today's guest is Paolo Bomben. He's a senior manager of clean technology development at Alberta Innovates. And he's doing some very interesting research in Bitumen Beyond Combustion, or BBC, which uh, we'll talk about today. So welcome, Paolo. Thank you, Peter, for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about the Bitumen Beyond Combustion program and the type of research that you're doing at Alberta Innovates? Bitumen Beyond Combustion envisions you know, leveraging existing value chains or developing entirely new value chains to increase the output of non-combustion products that are derived from Alberta oil sands bitumen. This program is really about, you know, if we think about where bitumen is today and what it's transformed into, it's predominantly transformed into fuels. A little bit is transformed into non-combustion products in the form of asphalt. And we want to increase the amount of bitumen that actually goes to the non-combustion stream as opposed to the fuel stream in the future. Now, it's interesting because I'd seen you a couple of years ago on a webinar, and I remember you giving a great example of the different uses of bitumen beyond combustion, right? Or what is what can bitumen be used for beyond simply combustion as a fuel? Can you tell us, like, what else can we use bitumen for? We envision that BBC product will be used in, in, in everyday life by people in Alberta, Canada, and around the world. So let me take you through just a brief visioning exercise of what that might look like. So I'd like you to imagine that you're on a 10-minute drive back to your house. It could be from work. It could be from a friend's house, the mall. On that drive in the first two minutes, you pass by a wood condo construction project. Now, these are very popular projects nowadays that you can build wood buildings much taller than you used to. The wood in that building has carbon fiber in it. That carbon fiber is reinforcing the wood, adding longevity, durability, and value to the homeowners. That's your first touch point with a BBC product because the carbon fiber has its origins in bitumen. As you continue to drive, you realize, hey, this road hasn't been resurfaced in a really long time. And that's because the asphalt binder, which is the glue that holds the road together, has its origins in bitumen. And that's adding significant longevity properties to the road. It's making your drive a lot easier. You don't have to deal with construction as often. So that's your second touch point with a BBC product. As you continue your drive, you're about six minutes in, you notice that there's a wind farm and there's a, a huge bank of batteries storing energy when that wind farm isn't operating. Those batteries are next generation vanadium flow batteries. The vanadium, which is critical to their operation, comes from bitumen. And finally, as you finish your drive home and you get to your house, you're thirsty, you go to the faucet, you turn on the tap and you get some clean water that's been filtered through activated carbon. That activated carbon, its origin 
is in bitumen. So th- in that example of that 10 minute drive home, uh, you had four touch points with a, a BBC product and all those touch points have added value either to your life or to the lives of others. And that's the dream. That's the vision that we have at Alberta Innovates that we can transform this tremendous natural resource of bitumen into these products that everyone can use and add value to their lives. Okay. So, so let's, I want to explore that a bit because we always talk, you know, again, if you read the headlines and again, throughout the years, oh, there's, you know, big headlines, carbon fiber will be the next billion dollar opportunity. And, and clearly it's big, right? It is a big business opportunity. So, so can we just, I want to explore that a bit. What are the advantages of using, you know, carbon fiber from bitumen, as opposed to carbon fiber that's, you know, the traditional way of manufacturing carbon fiber? Today, first off, there are different forms of carbon fiber. So it's actually describes a bunch of different uh products with different properties. So they can have different types of strengths. They can have different types of stiffness. And each of them will be used in a different type of product, be it a sporting good uh, or for military purposes or aircraft or wind turbines. Each of them will use a different type of carbon fiber. The challenge with carbon fiber today is that it's rather expensive to make because of the input materials and the process to actually transform it from those input materials to carbon fiber. And just so the Uh, listeners know carbon fiber is just strands of pure carbon. They're about the thickness of human hair. So if you feel your hair, that's what carbon fiber feels like if you were to hold it. And it's integrated into a wide number of products, uh, as I mentioned, into aircraft parts, into wind turbines, automotive parts. But the challenge is that it's rather expensive right now to make. And, you know, costs range anywhere from eight to $16 a pound. And that limits its use. If we can bring the cost down, let's say $5 a pound or lower, there's a real opportunity for mass market proliferation of carbon fiber into different economic sectors. Potential advantage of using bitumen is that the raw feed is about 10 to 100 times cheaper than the input feed today for carbon fiber. And so there's a lot of opportunity to bring that cost down because we're starting from a lower cost point from our raw material. And that's what really makes it attractive. The other part of that is that there's a lot of bitumen available. And that is something that is a little bit constrained with carbon fiber input materials. It's rather expensive to acquire these materials and the value chains are quite lengthy. So bitumen offers the value of lower cost as well as a larger quantity of it available for input into the carbon fiber manufacturing process. So so a simple question though right now, that bitumen is it being used right now? Are we using that to produce oil or is this a, a byproduct? It, it's a leftover, is it not? So bitumen is not currently being used to make carbon fiber. All right, the, the predominant pathway and end use of bitumen is fuels, be they transportation or heating fuels. Really, the only non-combustion product is asphalt that's produced today from bitumen. Right? That's the predominant one. The predominant use of it. Okay. When I always think of you know daily products, we see you know carbon fibers on bicycles, we've seen other things. And it is, it's always viewed as a super high-end material at for the most advanced type of product. But is it less carbon intensive than making steel? And and I'm assuming it's almost lighter and stronger in a way, correct? Than actually using steel in a product. Carbon fiber is than than steel. It's also non-corrosive. So it because it's pure carbon, it does not interact with water and oxygen the same way that metals do. So metals will rust, they'll corrode, they'll break down. Carbon fiber won't do that, which is why it's highly valued and and prized in different applications because it is non-corrosive, along with its lightweight capabilities. 
And so it, it is uh, in that regard, you have longevity with this material that you would not have necessarily with steel. And so if you can imagine reinforcing concrete, for example, with carbon fiber, you could envision bridges lasting 100, 200 years. Whereas if you reinforce it with steel, eventually that steel is going to corrode because concrete is a porous material. You know, it's made steel right now. The steel bar rusts in essence, what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you could get longevity and then that decreases the amount of rebuilds you have to do and the energy you have to put into a rebuild and the emissions associated with those rebuilds. And this is interesting because, I mean, obviously it's it's lighter, it's stronger, and that creates a whole bunch of efficiencies, right? But but I wanted to explore, you know, I've read about examples of companies like BMW are using carbon fiber really to manufacture car parts, right? And in a way, it's a replacement for steel. So what does the supply chain look like for that at the moment? Is that happening globally? Is it really just the beginning? Is that where we're going? What does that look like? At the moment, it's really limited because, again, come back to the high cost of, of carbon fiber relative to potential other alternatives the automotive industry has to use in its place. I mean, they'd like to go to carbon fiber as a lightweighting option. And that's one of the ways that they envision increasing fuel economy, increasing you know, efficiency, right? Increasing mileage on the vehicle. But it's, it's rather expensive to transform a large part of the vehicle into carbon fiber composite parts. And so it, the supply chain right now is, is rather limited in terms of the amount of parts that are put into vehicles that, that are related to carbon fiber. And certainly BMW took the lead on that uh, a few years ago with their vehicle in, in making a carbon fiber uh, composite vehicle. But there has not been a lot of movement from other automotive manufacturers because of cost. Okay. And and I want to sort of just, just to get the understanding of this, because again, understanding the value chain, I mean, from my understanding as well, when BMW was making this, they're almost taking the input product let's say natural gas, and then it was shipped to Japan. Then they create, they spin the fiber, then they send the fiber back to the U.S. to then be manufactured in the car. Like it's a, it's a cross-continent, you know, it's across the world where this, at this moment, the value chain, correct? Like it's not something, even Germany isn't just spinning everything in Germany. The product is moving around the world, correct? There are certainly value chains that are transcontinental. Uh, for carbon fiber. There are other value chains that are much more tighter depending on you know, the location of the feed, the plant, and, and, and the end user. In the case of that you know, BMW example, it was around the world, but I have heard of other examples where it's a lot closer. Ideally, you want to be closer, right? And so if you can keep the distance traveled between each of the you know, steps, that's going to you know, improve your economics for, for the product. And so having, you know, for example, a manufacturing industry in North America, especially in, in Ontario, Quebec, and in and, and the Midwest U.S., if you're making carbon fiber in uh, you know Alberta and you're tapping into those manufacturing hubs, um, that's a lot shorter than trying to do a transcontinental, intercontinental type supply chain. That's sort of where I want to go with this, Paolo. So you've opened that up and because and, I look at that and think, goodness, you know, we've got all this bitumen in Alberta, you've got an Ontario manufacturing capacity, Ontario and Quebec, they're making cars, they're making all sorts of things. I mean, that is a possibility, correct? I mean, we could almost ship our bitumen to be spun, perhaps spun here in Alberta, perhaps spun in Southern Ontario. Is that sort of the the vision? That's where, I mean, that's where we got to go. Because again, it's, it's if we're going to create a carbon fiber, we want to, in a way, also use it in manufacturing, correct? Correct. There's certainly a pan-Canadian opportunity here to you know, extract the bitumen in Alberta. I believe we can, we can spin the bitumen into carbon fiber 
in Alberta. And then once we have the carbon fiber, we can ship it to Ontario, Quebec, BC, even, even in Alberta. You know, we have a, you know, a nascent manufacturing sector that's expanding beyond just oil and gas. Tap into all those manufacturing opportunities across the country. We can use this as an export product to the United States as well. But certainly, there's an opportunity for our manufacturers in this country to incorporate carbon fiber into their products and tap into new markets uh, that are looking for carbon fiber containing composite materials. But to do that, we really do need to drive that cost down to make uh, the economics work out. Yeah. And let's talk about that because I guess is in some ways I know, I mean, we had talked about this a few years ago and I remember Alberta Innovates was doing some great work and challenge work. I mean, first question I guess is, what do we have to solve? Like, you know, when we say, okay, it's too expensive now, we want to bring it down to whatever, six, seven dollars a pound, right? What are we trying to solve in that, in that, the technical challenge? There's a couple steps along the way that need to be addressed. So we, we have a feedstock that we believe is very cost competitive to start with <clears throat> relative to others. So for example, if you're trying to hit a $5 target, you start at three to $6, even two to $5 a pound, and you're trying to hit $5 it gets pretty you know, tricky to get to the, it's tight. If you're starting sub a dollar, which is where we think, you know, the, the, the bitumen input feed would, would reside. You know, we think it's, it's actually, we think it's benchmarked by asphalt price. So somewhere around 65 cents a kilo, 30 cents a pound around there, you have a lot more wiggle room to get to that $5 target when you're starting at that point. So that's the first good part. But then we need to figure out because now we have an input material that's never been really used to convert to carbon fiber, what are the, do we need to purify it? There's a lot of sulfur in bitumen. There's a lot of metals. Do we need to take those out or can we tolerate them as we go through the manufacturing process? Then we have to figure out what are the heating steps? How hot do we have to heat it to actually make the carbon fiber the quality and desirability that customers want? Of course, we also have to do it in a repetitive manner, right? We have to have that re repeatability in the QA, QC in, in making the carbon fiber. And so all those steps need to be addressed. And we have launched a grand challenge around carbon fiber to address the manufacturing process and the technologies that would go into that manufacturing process. Yeah, and let's explore that grand challenge because I know that this is in a way the second grand challenge, correct? You guys had done the first one to clarify initial steps. I'm assuming if you're doing a second one, it's because, hey, this looks like it's real potential. Now there's the second challenge. So what are you like? What are the things they're looking to solve now? Because I believe you've already you've awarded the projects, correct? In the second phase, for the second challenge. That's correct. So we we have so the grand challenge is, is split out into multiple phases. We completed the first phase in February of this year, and it was a sprint. It was six months, and really it was to get researchers who may have never, you know, worked with bitumen before, get them get some into their hands and get them working with it and, and exploring and seeing what is possible. And we, we generated some exciting results. You know, some researchers were able to spin carbon fiber uh, from bitumen. Oh, so they could. They actually were able to spin it. Okay, so that, that's proven in a way. <laughs> Not at scale, but it's proven. Okay. That's right. So it, it was crude, but it was proven, right? And so then based on that, you know, we launched our second phase. Now, the second phase is really about taking the learnings from that first phase, and really accelerating it. So now what we're asking them to do over the next 18 months, these researchers, is can you make carbon fiber with specific properties that a customer wants? And can you produce, at this point, 10 grams a day, right? We really want them to sort out the technical pathway to go from bitumen, what are all the purification steps you need to do, and then what are the heating steps you need to do to take it 
to the final product. And you need to heat bitumen up to get it into carbon fiber so you can lock in that structure of carbon fiber so that it doesn't break down later. So that's why you need to go through a heating process to make carbon fiber. And so where's the research being done now? Is this all over Canada, all over North America, the world? Where's research being done for this? So in phase one, we had researchers in Canada, across Canada, including here in Alberta. We had a strong contingent from Alberta, but across Canada, the United States, and as far away as Australia. I can't yet share who we've selected in phase two because we haven't made a public announcement, but we'll be doing that hopefully soon. And you know, you'll see that there is still, I'll say, a geographic diversity to our, our candidates in, in phase two. Well, if the research done globally phase one, you will see how it goes. Well, I look forward to that, I guess is. And, and so it is interesting because we always hear, like there is, you know, to really solve these challenges is not something that's done in weeks or months. It takes years and then we'll scale it up. So when could we, you know, like you said now, they're working at a few grams a day of production. When could we hope to see actual manufacturing of carbon fiber, either in Alberta or in Canada? Are we talking five years, 10 years? What, what's that high level timeline look like? So our target at Alberta Innovates is to have a commercial carbon fiber manufacturer in Alberta by 2030. If you know an accelerated timeline would see it in around 2027, but we think that it will take certainly about a five-year, five, six-year research window to work out all the kinks and bugs and all the details to get us to that investable manufacturing facility for carbon fiber. So we're looking more towards the end of the deck for this opportunity. And that's really the nature of the research. It takes a lot of time to work out all the all the bugs. And because customers need a reliable, a reproducible final product. This is different from, let's say, the software world where you could put out a minimum viable product and, and sort of work out the bugs based on customer feedback. That option doesn't exist here. You actually need to have the final product before it can be sold to customers. Because if you're implementing these this material on an aircraft, for example, there's no room for error, right? So it has to be what you say it is and it has to be in a reproducible manner. So if we were going to, you know, get to a point where by 2030, we have a facility we're producing, like how much of volume is this? How many barrels of oil or vitamin is this consuming to create a large facility? What would that look like? And then what's the value? I'm just trying you know, how big is this market? So it, it will certainly, you know, not, not start with a massive scale. We'll start with sort of smaller scale. So our vision, our hope at Alberta Innovates, our target is, has always been, you know, 100,000 barrels a day of bitumen used for these non-combustion products. Carbon fiber would probably maybe command 35, 50,000 barrels a day by 2030, but we see, you know, acceleration beyond that point to a much larger use of bitumen for carbon fiber and other non-combustion products by 2040 and by 2050. And so, you know, it, it's tough to say because, you know, the market does need to develop, but, you know, it would be it would be amazing if we could get to a million barrels a day of bitumen diverted to, to non-combustion products by, by 2040, 2050. And that would add significant value to our, our economy. We still don't know what the profit potential is because we don't know the exact manufacturing process. So we don't know what the margins are yet, but we know that the revenue potential is in the billions of dollars just from the actual manufacturer. Now we'll see what the profit is ultimately when we see the, the manufacturing processes themselves. Because in a way, and correct me if I'm wrong, what we're talking about here is, in a way, carbon fiber displacing other 
products. So it, in a way, it replaces steel. In an automobile, it can replace steel and others. So whatever the steel industry is worth, in a way, these are components that can be made with carbon fiber. So there's it's it's a global industry in a way, correct? Again, it's, it's a highly sought after material if you can bring the cost down. And one of the biggest challenges that we face, Peter, is that in you know, and Bill Gates has talked about this, is we always often focus on the energy part of the greenhouse gas equation that, oh, you know, for energy and, and transportation and electricity consumption, but there's a huge wedge related to materials and the manufacture of materials. And how do we make those materials more sustainably and longer lasting? And that's really what this is helping to address is we're using this wonderful natural resource that we have and converting it into a sustainable product, carbon fiber, that the world can use and it'll you know add value to everyone's lives and so that's really the vision it's 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 not it, it, we talk about it in a displacement sense but it's also like we're it, also adding yeah. 2 billion people to the planet by 2050 and those people need material goods so as much as it's a displacement play, it's also a play to, to meet the needs of that growing global population. No, this is great. This is exciting, Paolo. I mean, I, I followed this for a couple of years and it's really great to have you on the show and talk about this. So so when when are you guys expecting to announce the uh, the next round, the results? Because it's it's going to be soon, correct? Your second phase of your, your research challenge. When do we expect that? That's going to be soon. Yes, we're hoping certainly before the end of the year and, and hopefully in, in, the, in the closer term. Okay, so if, if listeners want to know more uh, about BBC or Albert Innovates or yourself. If you're looking to you know learn more, you can check out our website on Bitchman Beyond Combustion at Alberta Innovates. Uh, we have a dedicated webpage to Bitchman Beyond Combustion, a dedicated website to our Carbon Fiber Grand Challenge. Uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or through my uh, Alberta Innovates email, paolo.bombin at albertainnovates.ca. That's great. Okay, well, look, Paolo, I want to say thank you today for your time. This was a great discussion. Thanks again. Thank you very much, Peter. Okay, and if you did like this please subscribe to the podcast and thanks for listening if you haven't already visit rainforestab.ca and sign the rainforest social contract become part of the inclusive silo busting sector agnostic all industry open sourced ego shrinking ecosystem building entrepreneur focused wide open social barrier smashing community known as rainforest alberta this episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.